I See You, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Let's be friends. Welcome to I See You. This is episode 28, Meet My Therapist. Hey guys, how's your week going? I'm going to start with my review. It is from BeHappy365. B is spelled with two E's like a bumblebee. That's pretty cool. Five-star review and the subject is Needed Conversations. I stumbled upon this podcast and I have loved the episodes I've listened to. Julie provides a community of hope in this world of struggle. I have really enjoyed learning about new perspectives that I never considered. Awesome. Thanks for that review, Be Happy 365 We have such different perspectives all the way through the podcast. I think that our world is so hungry for compassion and connection. Because that's what I love about this podcast, too, is I love hearing from all these different perspectives and hearing the common theme, which is we all need compassion and connection. And, and just seeing how that's been weaved into different people's journeys with completely different circumstances. All right. I have been using Mary Kay as a way to help support the podcast. And I'm just I'm going to talk about this real quick and then I'm never going to mention it again. So just bear with me for a second. But it's something that I feel like I need to mention on here to be clear. As many of you know, if you've listened to previous episodes, I offer it at 25% off on my website. However, we have just gotten some new information from the company and I am no longer going to be able to do that, unfortunately. So what I am doing is I am still a Mary Kay consultant, but I'm only going to be able to order once a year. And so I am going to be putting an order in this weekend manually. I'll do it. And then I'm happy to ship or drop off orders as much as we need. And then I will not be putting in another order until... February of 2020, if that makes sense. So I know that's super inconvenient and I know that's just kind of crazy, but just with the, the demands of the podcast and what I feel like is most important, I'm just not able to do both so consistently. So just a quick recap, I do make an order once a year now and you will still receive the 25% off. You can just send me a message on Facebook or, or through the website if you'd like to participate in that. I will go ahead and take off that link under support the podcast. You can still support it by donating money towards the cost of the website and you can still buy cute apparel, which I'm so excited about and it's free shipping. So I have one of the baseball shirts. This month I have some of my spending money I've set aside that I'm going to order. I think I'm going to order the hoodie. I'm excited about the hoodie. I love zip up hoodies though. Zip up hoodies, jeans, sneakers. That's my fave. We are going to be having a really cool conversation with my therapist and we're going to be talking about something called mindfulness. You may have heard that term. It's becoming more and more popular and we're going to talk about how mindfulness has been an incredible resource that I use every day and my therapist, she uses it in her own life. It's really transformed her life as well and you're going to see the themes of compassion and connection weave through this discussion and it may be one that you want to listen to more than once because there's just so much rich, important information that's going to be talked about in just a pretty short amount of time that I think I myself will go back and listen to it. As most of you know, I have recently moved and I actually am still traveling about an hour to go see my therapist because I just, I adore her so much and she's been such a helpful person in my life and I'm not ready to make a change on that yet. I actually have my appointment Friday afternoon. So when you're listening to this, I have that that day. So I'm excited. We'll have to see what she thinks of it. I know she was nervous to even listen to it, which is so funny to me because she's like the, the Gandhi of my life. She's so smart and she just has such a good perspective. Here we go. Me and my therapist. We are here with my lovely therapist who I adore. Her name is Nan Fitzgerald. Hi, Nan. Hi, Julie. I know some things about you, but our audience doesn't. So will you tell us a little bit about yourself? I am a Utah native. I was born and raised in Cache Valley. 
I've been married to my husband for almost 11 years, and I have two adult children from a previous marriage who I love and adore. Um, I love to travel. That is one of my favorite things. I love to experience life in the world, so that would probably be my favorite thing to do. Your clients, sometimes we hate it that you love to travel, <laughs> but it's so good for you. It's but if so I'm not filling my bucket, I can't help anybody else fill theirs. Exactly. And right? it's a good example. Yep. That you share. Totally. Have to keep balance. Yes. Well, and just living that self-compassion that you preach. If you're not living it, then. Absolutely. Why did you choose to go into therapy, Nan? Therapy was something that I really kind of stumbled into. I started out as an English major and then an interior design major and then I was a mom for a while and, and went back to do nursing and just didn't get into the nursing program and stumbled into therapy as I had struggled with my own kind of mental health issues and self-esteem issues. It was just kind of this path that I used for my own healing and it just kind of expanded and it grew. You have really introduced me to the idea of mindfulness. We've yes. talked a lot about that in my own healing journey. If someone hasn't heard the word mindfulness before, how would you break it down? What does it mean? So mindfulness is a concept and a definition kind of from a gentleman by the name of John Kabat-Zinn who brought mindfulness to the West would be paying attention to something in a particular way, um, on purpose, in the present moment, without judgment. So there's a lot of pieces to mindfulness, right? It involves a lot of different steps and things that we don't always do well. We don't always pay attention on purpose and we don't like to always be in the present moment. We often think I'd like to be somewhere else mm. rather than here, right? And then that idea of judgment, a big piece of mindfulness is that idea of suspending judgment about what is and the way versus the way we'd like it to be. That's interesting. Do you mind sharing that definition one more time that it had so many parts to it? So mindfulness is paying attention to something in a particular way on purpose in the present moment, non-judgmentally. Why do you think that people choose to look forward or backwards and not be in the present? Why do you think that's such a temptation? The present moment is an uncomfortable place to be. When we're in the present moment, we're often having to deal with things that we don't like, that are uncomfortable that might be distressing. And so it's much easier to be anywhere but here. The problem with that is that here is the only place we can address a situation happening to us and make changes. We kind of shoot ourselves in the foot when we try to be anywhere but here because only here can we make the changes that we need. Yeah, we can't do work in the future and we can't do work in the past. We can only do work right now. We can now. only do work right now. Well, and that puts a lot of power to the phrase just taking things one day at a time, mm -hmm. one minute at a time, one second at a time. Mm -hmm. Right? I guess that's Absolutely. kind of part of mindfulness. Absolutely. It's that idea of, of the here and the now. Right? And so the here and the now, if you look at it from an Eastern kind of perspective where mindfulness sources from, is all we really have here now. And it is what it is. Right? We can't, we can't change that. But we can change the way that we perceive the present situation. And mindfulness helps us to create those connections to maybe change the way that we perceive Wayne Dyer, one of my favorite quotes is, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change, right? Our perception is our reality. And yeah. so how do we choose to perceive a situation or experience that we're having? Well, and that makes sense to me because there are things that used to happen in my life that I would even bring to therapy with you that would trigger a lot of fear and anxiety. And those exact same circumstances happen now and they don't. Mm-hmm. But a part of that is, right, fear and anxiety are generally sourced in the future. When we're afraid and we're anxious, we're often way ahead of the place where we're at. And if we're way ahead of where we are, we certainly can't fix the problem. 
Yeah. Right. And so of course, fear and anxiety are going to abound when we're way ahead of the current situation that we're in. Well, that makes me think of, I remember you told me once that anger is not about usually anger isn't about what's happening right in that moment. It's about things that have happened in the past. Anger is often past motivated, right? We're not in that moment when we're really, really angry. We're not angry about the current situation. We're angry about an experience we had that comes to the surface. But anger is also a secondary emotion and the emotion underneath anger is fear. It's like an iceberg, how the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. is outside the water and you see the tip anger and you're like, why are you angry? But you don't know what's going on. What's not going All on this builds it. up underneath Absolutely. It. Right. And so mindfulness is this really great strategy of how do I be here now? Because that's the only place I can make that change is in that present moment. Do you feel like you use mindfulness in your own personal life? Oh, absolutely. Every single day. I think it's been, you know, I've struggled with my own bouts of depression and anxiety through the years. And it's been one of those strategies that... When I can actually be here and now, I call it the crazy train that goes round and round and round, kind of stops because I'm not circling the fears of the what ifs, right? The minute we go, what if we're anywhere but here and there's all these things that we can't control. So mindfulness for me is really that way of being present. And we often step back and think, I don't have time to be mindful. We often confuse mindfulness with this idea of meditation, Right. That I have to sit in the corner in the quiet with my legs folded and I have to just sit and be for 20 or 30 minutes. Meditation is a form of mindfulness, but we can be mindful in, in everyday things that we do. As I was driving here to meet with you today, I was kind of thinking about the idea of how many times have you driven somewhere and not remembered how you got there? Or, autopilot. Right? You're on autopilot and you're like, wait a minute, I don't remember driving here. Or... You park your car and go to the store and you come out and you don't remember where you parked your car. Yeah, that's me like every day. (laughs) But it's that idea of when we did those things, we weren't being present when we were driving to that place or when we were parking our car, right? We're parking our car thinking, okay, I didn't put this on my list and I need to remember to do that, right? So our mind is full of other stuff, but we're not being mindful and present, right? And then life just goes on without us because we're missing what's happening. And only in that present moment do we really get to experience. And that's cool to think about as far as happiness. I hear this all the time to really notice the senses, like when you eat to actually Mm -hmm. notice the taste and notice Mm -hmm. the texture and things like that. That's all I've never made that connection before, but that's all part of mindfulness of being present. Oh, absolutely. So people think I have to do that formal meditation practice and it has to be something. It actually doesn't. We can choose to be mindful in the everyday things that we're doing. You know, when we sit down to eat, like you talked about that idea of oftentimes we sit down and we're on our phones or we're watching the TV or we're flipping through a book or writing a list, but we don't sit down and experience what we eat with our five senses. We don't pay attention to the colors on the plate and what we see in the natural shapes of the food. We don't listen for the crunch of a carrot stick, right? Or the pattern within a carrot stick. Uh, right? The smell of something that we eat. We, d- we rarely sit and totally eat and feel the texture, smell the smells, hear the sounds, see the sights of what we eat. Simply by just doing that, you are being mindful. And you and I, we share the same religious beliefs. I mean, we all have different beliefs, right? Even if you're within the same religion, mm-hmm. you may have different beliefs. But we're both members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I think that mindfulness sometimes can not sit with people mm-hmm. in the church if they're not used to it because it is more of that Eastern, what did you, how you said it a lot better than philosophy. Me. Philosophy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 
what would you say to people that are, this is like hippie for them or Buddhist or, you know, a little woo-woo and a little woo-woo, right. (laughs) But we know that it can be so powerful. And I don't know about you. I feel like being introduced to mindfulness and using it in my own life, I see it in the gospel everywhere if I look for it. Absolutely. I think we step back, right? And and that belongs somewhere else. If a practice doesn't fit the parameters of our Christian type religion, we tend to shy away from it because we don't understand it. But as I've read and studied, mindfulness doesn't go against any religious tradition that I am aware of. And really, if you look at it, mindfulness is its own form of pondering and prayer. We need to be still to hear the answers. So we pray, we ask for help, we're wanting guidance. We need to be still. We need to be present, right? We shouldn't pray and get up and run about our day. We should pray and wait for a moment to give the Spirit a chance to answer us. That moment is mindfulness. And prayer is a form of meditation. Absolutely. So it all fits together. Maybe it's a different word, but it is the same in principle. Oh, and I think you would agree with this. I know I have listened to people, even different religious leaders, monks and things like that, and felt the spirit so strong as they talk about these ideas, but they use different vocabulary than I do. But I feel just like that truth and truth is truth. No matter where you go, truth, you're going to feel the spirit when truth is being testified of. They may use different vocabulary for it, but it's still truth. Absolutely. How do you think mindfulness can help people heal? Mindfulness, I think, is that is that part of unless we're willing to accept what we're experiencing as your podcast advocates to have compassion and connection, how do we heal? We have to be connected. We have to have compassion. And in order to do that, we have to accept what's going on in the situation. Mindfulness is a tool that helps us accept the situation, the experience that we're having as it is. And when we can create that acceptance, now that we like it, Not that we want it to be that way, but in this moment, this is the space I'm in and I can accept that this is my space here and now. It's a moment in time. Things will eventually change, right? In that moment that we connect, we have compassion and we can heal. I remember you giving me the advice about a year and a half ago. (laughs) You remember where I was. Very different place than I am right now. Would you agree? (laughs) You gave me the advice once. I was doing so many things. I was trying to learn a new instrument. I was going to the temple twice a week at times. I was meditating. I was keeping myself so, so busy doing all of these things, checking off all these things on a list. And I remember you saying to me once, you're go, 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 and you're do, do, doing. And that's kind of great, except that I'm a little worried you're not letting yourself just be. If you're depressed right now, Maybe you just need to be okay with being depressed. Just because you accept that that's what I'm experiencing doesn't mean you like it. doesn't mean you're not striving out of it. So if you look at it from an Eastern perspective, there's the concept of pain and there's the concept of suffering. So pain is often the real physical situation experience that we're having. Suffering is this idea of our thoughts and beliefs about About. the pain, right? So pain in life is inevitable. We're going to struggle with different issues, death, divorce, loss, depression, whatever those types of things are. But the suffering is the piece that we can impact. We can avoid the pain, but the way we choose to view the experience can change the way that we suffer or don't suffer. And sometimes in that acceptance of really just being with it for the moment, it actually tends to dissipate. It's our resistance to what we don't want that keeps it, that keeps the contention, that keeps it bringing up. When we let it go and just go, it's here, 
it often will dissipate or lessen. It's the resistance that creates the suffering. It reminds me of so many conversations we've had when, um, you know, I so didn't want these mental struggles, anxiety, and depression to be a part of my life. And all the wheeling and dealing I've done with God, it just makes me think so much about those conversations where it was time for me to acknowledge this, this struggle isn't going away. And is there a space for that to just be and to not mean all of these things that I made it mean in my head because my one sample pool was of my dad who I didn't really see get better as a kid. I was amazed at how much healing there was just in that, just, just in acknowledging that and, and letting that just be what it was without things that happened from the past. Yeah. Without judgment, things that happened from the past, my fears for the future, but just in this moment, this is a struggle for me. But that doesn't mean that it will always be the struggle, right? Right. It's a point in time. And we tend to experience something, especially something negative, and assume that it's just always going to be that way. But it's not. Everything is a point in time. Positive or negative, everything always shifts and always changes. I came across a quote earlier today by Viktor Frankl, and it says, Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. That's the piece that we can change our response. How do we choose to respond? Do we choose to respond with compassion for ourselves, for the situation, for other people? Because when we do that, there is where we create connection. And it is in that connection that we heal. That we heal. That's really cool. And Viktor Frankl, if people aren't familiar with that, he wrote Man's Search for Meaning. And you might have to correct me on this, but he was in a concentration camp and he later became a psychologist. He was actually a psychiatrist going into that. So they were taken, his parents, his brother and his pregnant wife, they were all taken into the concentration camp. He didn't know until later that his his family was gassed in the chambers pretty much immediately. His wife. His wife. Oh my goodness. Um... But in I didn't his, remember that. In his it's book, he speaks to that idea of everyone in that concentration camp was experiencing the same horrific, the lice, the filth, the starvation. As he observed what was happening, he began to realize that the difference was between those who lived and those who died was not the experience, but the way with which they viewed their experience. Those who could see that this was a point in time, there was something beyond this, that they weren't this experience that they were having, were the people that survived the camps. Those who could not see past that present moment were the ones who did not survive. And you told me, you told me that, that quote or that idea at a really pivotal point when I was in a really dark place. I remember you said the people that survived were the ones that could see beyond the concentration camps. And that was huge for me. Absolutely. To give me some focus to my pain of, okay, there is something past this. It really is true. It's not all consuming because that's a big lie of depression is not only, and and you, what's so neat is you know this. And so you can always relate to it. You know exactly how it feels. Nan has been, she's been in the hole. And so she has like the clinical understanding, but you also have the empathy because you have been there. Been there and walked that path. Right. It is hard. It's hard hard in that moment because I don't want to be here and I don't want to deal with this. But again, time and time again, as I've looked through it, it's that resistance. It's that lack of acceptance for in this moment, I'm, I'm in it. If I'm in the pit, I'm in the pit. Doesn't mean I'm going to stay in the pit. Sidestep for a second from mindfulness and just acknowledge because this podcast is all about having compassion for other people and connecting with other people. Why it's so important that we have compassion for ourselves 
because then we are able to have greater compassion for other people. So someone like you, whether it's a therapist or a friend, I remember coming into your office and saying, you know, you're like, how are you? And I'm like, bad or whatever. And I just, I remember you just looking and being like, you're in hell right now. And there was so much relief that just came from someone acknowledging that pain and knowing that that person knew what that meant. That you knew what that pain was. That for you, it wasn't just a definition in a textbook textbook that you read once, but you were like, no, I've been right there and you are in hell. And I I validate that. And it's not forever, but I validate right now that you're in pain. Sometimes people think, you know, hell is a place. Think hell is a state of being. And if you've not been in that place emotionally, that's a really hard thing to understand. But if you've been there, you kind of get that. And you kind of just want to hug everybody. (laughs) Because it is. Because you never know what's going on in someone's mind. No, absolutely not. Didn't you tell me once when you were really struggling, you talked about having like the most pristine looking house? Oh, like absolutely. There was a time that my world was falling apart, but on the outside, my house was perfect. My kids were dressed perfect. I looked like I had it all together. I'm working. I'm volunteering in the classroom. I'm serving in my church. I'm doing all of those things. And everybody thinks, oh my gosh, she's got it all together. It was a front. It was, it was a house of cards built underneath that. But I didn't know in that time, you know, this was pre pre therapist time and I was still trying to sort it out. I didn't, I didn't know there was another way, right? right. Depression wasn't talked about and, and there was a lot of shame in that, at those, in those stages. And I think that's why sometimes social media is, can be such a trap for people is because they do tend to see the house and the perfect and all those facade things. And we don't even know that all of us are just struggling. We all need we all need Jesus. We all need hope. We, we allow people to see what we want them to see. And the question is, when we allow them to see the real us, that's where connection comes. I, I run a, a support group for cancer patients, and I was running that group a little bit earlier today. And the group members, most of whom are struggling with terminal disease, talk about the idea of the ability to come into this group and into this space and to be real. There's no judgment. There's no misunderstanding. There's no, I have to keep, I have to be silent. I can't share my pain. They can be real in a space where people get it, right? And to be heard and to be seen and to be validated. There's nothing like that. That creates connection, which is healing. Absolutely. It's in those, it's in those moments, right? Like we heal through connection. I love that. We heal through connection. Can mindfulness help us have empathy for others and, or help us connect with each other? Absolutely. I think mindfulness causes us to slow down, causes us to be present. We're often say so busy doing that we don't take that moment to step back and be aware Right. That idea of whether you might call them promptings, right. Or intuition, whatever that term might be for you. It's in that space when we slow down and we're quiet, the spirit or God or the universe or whatever you would call that right in your space will come and say, wait a minute, this person is struggling or there's an opportunity here. But if we're not present and if we can't even accept our own shame and our own hurts and our own wounds, how can we really truly accept someone else. We like to think I'll fix somebody else's and I'll stay out of my own. But if you've not healed your own wounds, if you've not accepted your own space, you re and problems, you can't truly connect. 
I'm going and speaking to a group of women tonight. And as I thought about what to talk about, I kept thinking about self-compassion. I kept thinking about the idea. And I don't know if we talked about it in therapy or, or where this came about. But if you like it, I guess you can take credit for it. If you don't, you can say, nope, it wasn't me. But the idea of walking into someone's dirty house and saying, and them apologizing, oh, sorry, my house is dirty. You saying, oh, no, it's not a big deal. But then when they come to your house, this might be Brene Brown. But then when they come to your house, you saying... I'm so sorry for my house. If you're sorry for your own house, then you can't really 100% completely believe that it's okay that their house is dirty. Totally true. And I'm guilty of doing that. I know. I am too. I am too. I know. It's, it's, I think, I think I heard that on Brene Brown. She did a video called the anatomy of trust, Mm -hmm. I think, but that is something that has stuck with me so much and motivated me more towards self-compassion because if I really want to be a servant of the Lord or a good person, whatever your value system is, if I really want to do that, I have to be nice to myself because the first and second great commandments, love God, and then it's love others as yourself. How can you love others if you don't love yourself? How do you know how to love someone else if you don't love yourself? Absolutely true. So if there's someone listening who's struggling, what kind of hope would you offer to them? I think there's a ton of hope. And it's hard to see that when you're in that fit. And it's that idea of step by step, right? I think we think if I can't climb out all at once, that that I'm not going to get out. I want to say I was listening or reading something the other day, and it was this idea of this man was placed in a pit, like in a prison. And he was told if he could get out, he would be free. So he did all of this stuff and built this whatever to try to climb out. And he fell and hurt himself and eventually died. But had he walked 200 feet further into the darkness, there was actually an escape. There was actually the way out, right? He didn't bother to look around. And so I think we talk about that idea of, of where is hope. There is a ton of hope. There's hope in people around us. There's hope and faith in God. Reaching out to people. I think this idea of coming to therapy, there's so much stigma around the idea of therapy. People only go to therapy. This is my catchphrase. If they're broken, bad, crazy, wrong, or weak. And I just so don't, just, I just so don't agree with that. I think therapy is an opportunity to learn tools. Most of us didn't grow up in perfect households that were perfect for us. Right. And we don't always have the tools to deal with our situations. Therapy is a place where someone can help you find those tools. What kind of words would you have described yourself as when you were in that pit? Um, I was a pathetic train wreck. That's how you felt about yourself? Absolutely. What about, what about now? Well, I don't have it all together, right? I think people think that someone like me, we must have it all together. Oh, no, no, no. My life is not perfect. I don't always get it right. But I can see the strengths and I can see the positive qualities in myself that I couldn't, I couldn't even see probably 15 years ago. And you, you've helped so many people. You had to go through so much crap, but that has given you empathy for I, others. I think it's abs- absolutely. I was late to the game of getting my degree and I always thought I've missed so many years. But had I done this as a career earlier on, I don't think I would have had the skill set. Life experience, time has created an empathy and I hope a connection to help people see it a little bit differently, right? Because it's not just textbook learning for me. No, you connect. Yeah, you connect with your clients, which I have definitely benefited from. Would you be willing to describe me a year and a half ago and then describe me now? You've walked that road with me a little bit. You've held my hand at different times. I think a year ago, year and a half ago, you were driven by doubt and by fear. The what ifs and and the unknowns and the uncertainty kind of ran the space that you were in. And now I see strength. I see confidence. I 
see beauty. There's always beauty there, but it's it's (laughs) coming out and about. There's a depth. And I think that when we do our work, when we kind of face those demons, we develop a depth that we wouldn't have otherwise. So healing is possible. Healing is possible. And mindfulness is one of those incredible tools that can move us in that direction. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. You're lovely. (laughs) Okay. What did you think? Too hippie for you? Does it make sense? It's awesome. I promise. Just try it on. Try on mindfulness. Next week, we are going to be talking to my good friend, Michael White, and we're going to be talking about his life living with legitimate obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD. You're going to get a kick out of his interview. So until next time, my name is Julie Lee and I see you.